who rejected your God, who himself saved you from all your adversities and your tribulations. And you have said to him, no, set a king over us. Now, therefore, present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and your clans. And when Samuel had caused all the tribes of Israel to come near, the tribe of Benjamin was chosen. And when he caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near by their families, the family of Matri was chosen. And Saul, the son of Kish, was chosen. But when they sought him, he could not be found. Therefore, they inquired of the Lord further. Has the man come here yet? And the Lord answered, there he is hidden among the equipment. So they ran and brought him from there. And when he stood among the people, he was taller than any of the people from his shoulder upwards. And Samuel said to all the people, do you see, see him whom the Lord has chosen, that there is no one like him among all the people? So all the people shouted and said, long live the king. Then Samuel explained to the people the behavior of royalty and wrote it in a book and laid it up before the Lord. And Samuel sent all the people away, every man to his house. And, Samuel, and Saul also went home to Gibeah, and valiant men went with him, whose heart God had touched. But some rebels said, how can this man save us? So they despised him and brought him no presence, but he held his peace. Father, we just pray for your word now, Lord, um, Lord, that you will just speak through your word. Lord, I just pray for any tech technical dif difficulties now, Lord. Um, Father, you will just overcome them by your spirit, Lord. Amen. Amen. Okay, so this is this is quite a, lo a long passage. Um, so thanks for your, thanks for your patience. So we come to the point where Saul is being anointed as the king over over Israel. And it's interesting in um, in the first verse, he isn't called king as such. He is called the commander over his inheritance, the commander over the Lord's inheritance. And Israel and the land of Israel was the inheritance uh, of the Lord. And essentially, Saul was replacing God as the king of Israel. And Israel was becoming um, a monarchy instead of, as we said before, a theocracy. The people had rejected God and they had put a king in place. And yet we, we see even despite the rebellion of the people, that the unbelief of the people, despite what God had done for them, in Egypt, and despite what he had done for them in um, the promised land, in, in, in terms of getting rid of all the, the, the enemies, they had rejected God and they, they put in, they'd wanted their own king. And in spite of all that rebellion, God still um, was working. And we see in, in the verse one that Samuel anoints Saul as, as a king, as the commander over the inheritance of God. 
it's interesting when you contrast that with when Joshua came in and led the people into the promised land and he came to uh, Jericho and almost um, it seemed like an impregnable fortress of Jericho, the first main uh, big battle for, for the Israelites when they came into the promised land in Joshua chapter five. Um, Joshua uh, is confronted um, by a man in Joshua chapter five, verse 13, verse 13. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted his eyes and looked behold, a man stood opposite him whose sword was drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? So he said, no, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped him and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take your sandal off your foot for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. And we know what happens after that, of course. The Lord commands Joshua to go around the walls um, seven times, six times, six days, and then seven times on the seventh day. And the wall came tumbling down, as the song, as the song says. But we see here that the commander of the army of the Lord, it, many think it was actually... Um, what they call a theophany it was an appearance of of jesus himself because joshua falls down and worships um at his feet and essentially what the israelites had done they had replaced god the lord jehovah as the as the commander of of israel with with a with a human king an earthly king in 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 saul and yet God is still working um, through Saul, even in spite of the rebellion of the people. God is still working. And so this, this um, anointing of, Sam, of Saul by Samuel is very significant because <clears throat> there's two two aspects to it one of course is that he is being appointed he's being appointed the commander of the inheritance of god the commander in chief so to speak and he's replacing essentially god himself where god was the king and god would go out and fight their battles now we have saul coming to lead the armies into battle against the, the, the enemies of the Israelites. And the enemies were many. We had the Philistines on one side um, to, to the west and um, partially to the north. And then we had the Ammonites on the east. And the Philistines in particular seemed very, very good at, at battle. And they had their garrison, as we see there, um, all, all around um, Israel. And no doubt Saul felt very, very weak and very inadequate. And we can see later on 
just how inadequate he feels when he's when he hides uh, behind the equipment when, when he's meant to be called to be appointed as as the ordained, so to speak, as as the king of Israel publicly um, appointed as as the the king of Israel in a, in a, like an inauguration. And so, in in a real sense, you can understand why why he would be afraid. Up until now, God had appointed, had been had been one who had led Israel out, and he was essentially replacing God in this role. And not only that, he he was it was we learned from chapter nine he was a Benjamite. He was from the tribe of Benjamin, and. Um, he himself said, you know, my, my tribe, the tribe of Benjamin, is the least of all the tribes in, in Israel. And so he was aware of his shortcomings, both in terms of in, inheritance, in terms of the task that was ahead of him, and possibly also in terms of his, his moral um, insufficiency. It didn't appear that he was a man, a great man of God, because we see when he went up with the uh, with the prophets, um, the proverb came, is Saul among the prophets? And others would say, this is the son of son of Kish. They were surprised that he would be prophesying. So we seem to have there seemed to be a, a moral deficiency. There seemed to be a deficiency in terms of, of an, an inherit of his, of his background. And also, just in terms of the enormity of the of the scale of the challenge of, of leading um, the Israelites against the enemies. But God was appointing him. And not only was he appointing him, he, he was anointing him. And those that God appoints, he anoints. And sometimes we often wonder when we see different kings and, and rulers and presidents and, and prime ministers, you know, why, why are they in power? And, and, only, and literally only God knows why they are in power. But God does appoint the rulers. It, all authority comes from God. And he has appointed, in this situation, he appointed Saul. But not only does he appoint him, he anoints him. And it's interesting that the term anointed with oil, when that's translated into Hebrew, it actually essentially means Messiah. Messiah literally means the one anointed with all oil. And the Israelites had asked for a Messiah, someone who would essentially deliver them from their enemies, a king who would deliver them from their enemies. And God appoints Saul. But not only does he appoint Saul, he anoints Saul. He anoints him physically with this oil through Samuel. Samuel um, anoints him with oil. And normally, when when people were anointed with oil, it was it was some it had a religious significance, and particularly in terms of the anointing, the appointing of of priests into the priesthood. They were anointed with oil uh, before they they went into the priesthood. And if you if you turn with me briefly to um, Exodus 
uh, Exodus chapter 30, we get some insight into this anointing oil that was used for the priests. Exodus chapter 30, verse 22. Moreover, the Lord spoke to, to Moses, saying, Also take for yourself quality spices, 500 shekels of liquid myrrh, half as much sweet-smelling cinnamon, 250 shekels, 250 shekels of sweet-smelling cane, 500 shekels of cassia, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, and a hin of olive oil. And you shall make from these a holy anointing, an anointment compounded according to the art of the perfumer. It shall be a holy anointing. With it you shall anoint the tabernacle of meeting and the ark of the testimony, the table, all its utensils, the lampstand and its utensils, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering with all its utensils and the laver and its base. You shall consecrate them that they may be most holy. Whatever touches them must be holy. And you shall anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them that they may minister to me as priests. And you shall speak to the children of Israel saying, this shall be a holy anointing oil to me throughout your generations. Nor shall you make any other like it According to its composition, it is holy, and it shall be holy to you. Whoever compounds any like it, or whoever puts any of it on an outsider, shall be cut off from its people. So there was a very specific anointing, holy anointing oil that was to be given um, at to to be, for the priests and for the tabernacle and anointing oil that made um, the priests and the and the utensils of the of the tabernacle holy and set apart for God. And here we see Saul being anointed with an oil. We don't know if it was this holy oil that is sp spoken of in Exodus, um, but it may well have been. We know that David definitely was anointed with this holy anointing oil. It speaks of it in Psalm um, 89, I think it is, where it says that David was anointed with the, with the holy oil of God. So this was very specific, and it was essentially saying that this is God's chosen, God's chosen leader for Israel. He's been set apart by God for the Israelites to lead them, uh, to deliver them from the hand of the Philistines because God had heard the cry of his people and he was anointing him. But it wasn't just that God was anointing him with this holy oil or this oil. I'm not sure if it was holy, but this oil, but it was certainly at a holy occasion that Samuel ministered it um, to, to Saul. God was also going to anoint Saul with the power of the Holy Spirit, with the power of the Holy Spirit. And he was also going to confirm 
to Saul and to those who would follow him that God was with him. And one way he did this, one way he did this was the signs that he had given that he would he would meet um, two men and they would tell him that the, the donkeys would be found. He would he would then meet um, more men who would give him uh, bread, who were going up to worship and he would join the prophets and the spirit of God would come upon him as they were going up, going to worship God and he would start prophesying with them. And so the, the, the proverb came, is Saul among the prophets? And we see that in spite of all this, in spite of the spirit of God coming upon him, the spirit of prophecy coming on him, he was still very unsure of his, of his calling. He was very... Um, Humble is one word, but, but probably unbelieving. It was another word. He didn't really believe that he, of all people, was going to be used by God to become the king and the commander of Israel. And yet God had spoken to Samuel. God had anointed him. And God had anointed him with the Holy Spirit. And he had provided these signs um, as proof that he was the chosen one. He was, if you like, the Messiah, the initial Messiah. Uh, for Israel to to deliver them um, from the Philistines. And I don't know about you, but certainly um, I can relate to, to Saul a lot. I don't know about you, but I can relate to Saul a lot. You know, God has a calling on all of our lives. He has a calling on all of our lives, but sometimes we feel that we're not up to it um, it could be because of our our background um, it could be uh, because we just don't feel uh, worthy but God has appointed each of us and he wants to anoint each of us with the power of the Holy Spirit not because of our greatness but because of God's power uh, Saul was essentially in, in a very imperfect representation of, of the true Messiah who was to come. And that was, of course, uh, Jesus, who would be anointed uh, with, with the Holy Spirit. If you turn with me to Psalm, Psalm 44. Or Psalm 45. We just have to remember that as Saul said, he was he was a, a Benjamin Benjamite, and many people would have known that when. Um, Jacob had had prophesied Jacob's blessing over his his sons. It wasn't Benjamin who was who was going to be uh, the king. His line have, have the royal uh, um, the royal line was not going to come through Benjamin. It was going to come through Judah 
uh, when Jacob said, the scepter shall not depart from, from Judah. And yet here God brings in someone from Benjamin, Saul. And many people would probably, at the time, they probably would have realized, hang on a minute, you know, the, the king should come from the line of, of Judah, not the, uh, the L-I-N-E line of Judah, the, uh, the tribe of Judah, not uh, the tribe of Benjamin. But because, probably because the Israelites had rebelled against God, this was sort of the first imperfect um King, kingdom it was a, it was a kingdom if you like or a, or a kingship that was born out of um reliance on man and not a reliance on on god but there was coming a a true royal line that was going to come initially through david and ultimately through jesus and if we read um psalm 45 verse Six, it says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of your kingdom. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. All your garments are scented with myrrh and alloys. And Cassia. So God was going to bring another another um, royal line, the line of of Judah, the, the tribe of Judah, and He was going to anoint that kingship with His holy anointing, and we know that that holy anointing. Uh, was uh, was the Holy Spirit, and it was going to come upon Jesus Christ. In Luke chapter four, verse seventeen. <clears throat> We read, Jesus was in the, the synagogue and he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And so while Saul's kingship was a very, very much a temporary one, there was an eternal kingship coming through Jesus, where he would be anointed, not just with oil, but with the power of the Holy Spirit. And we know with Saul, he did have 
the spirit of God upon him uh, for a while, but not with the same power um, that it would come upon Jesus. God's true anointed one. And when we think today, this year, we look into this year, we think of there are so many enemies in inverted commas that, that might be facing us, whether it's the coronavirus or even there at the weekend or, or uh, on New Year's Eve, we heard about this um, thing on RTE where the, they were blaspheming. So they had some program that was, was extremely blasphemous. And it was just, if you like, um, a symptom of just how the world is moving further and further away uh, from God. And in a sense, the persecution upon us is likely to be greater. And we can look at these things and we can, we can feel a bit like Saul. How, how are we uh, going to make any impact on this world? How can we do anything? There's just so many challenges, so many problems. And who are we? Um, look at our background. Uh, look at, look at our, our track record. It's not great. How can God possibly use us? And yet God used Saul, a very imperfect man. He chose him and he chose him and he, he, he was God's anointed so much so that even when he was chasing David to kill him, David would not lay a hand on Saul because he said he was God's anointed one. And so God can use anybody once he appoints them, he can and he will anoint them. And God has anointed, appointed us to bring his kingdom into this world full of sin, full of problems, full of um, people who are trying to bring the kingdom down, full of very intelligent people, powerful people. Uh, full of people with deep problems, deep bondages. And we think, how can we possibly, how can we possibly bring the kingdom of God in such, into such a dark world? And just like Saul, we probably feel, I certainly feel very, very inadequate to do such a thing. And we even see in, with, with Jesus <clears throat> after he, he, spoke those words from from Isaiah the spirit of the lord is upon me that people started to say is this not is this not joseph's son as if to say you know this guy you know he he couldn't possibly be a prophet or or the messiah he's just the son of of joseph and nobody uh from from nazareth And yet I think we can, we can fall into a false, a false humility. It is good to have humility before God and admit that we can do nothing. But we can also have this false humility oh, where I can do nothing and therefore we do nothing. Um, God has not called us to uh, wallow in our 
um, inadequacies. But he's called us to be bold, to be strong, to be courageous, to advance the kingdom. The, the scripture says that Jesus says the, the kingdom of God advances forcefully and forceful men lay hold of it. And God wants us to advance his kingdom and do it forcefully. So how, how can we possibly do that given our, given our sinful nature? And you know, there's two, there are kind of two ways that you can do it. One, you can be like the Israelites and go, you know, we want a king, we want to do it ourselves. And, you know, there's a certain amount that we can actually do in our own strength. You may feel, well, you know, I'm, I'm you know, there's, there's a fair amount that I can do. And that's obviously a trap. Um, but then the other trap is to say, I could do nothing. And, you know, God, God can't use me. And that's possibly a, a big, as big, if not even a bigger trap. Just turn with me to Acts. I just just give me a second while I find it. Ten. Uh, verse thirty-four. Peter opened his mouth and said, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word, you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all these things which he did both in the lands of the Jews in Jerusalem whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised him up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people, to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. And while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. As many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who re received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And I believe that God wants to say to us this morning, is that he wants us 
not just to understand that he has appointed us uh, to bring the kingdom, to set captives free, to preach the good news to the poor, but God wants to anoint us to do this. God wants to anoint us with his Holy Spirit. If he anointed Saul, if Saul was among the prophets, Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph, he anointed. God can anoint us as well. God wants to give us the Holy Spirit power from on high that holy anointing oil to equip us to bring the kingdom of God this year. God wants us to proclaim this is the year of the Lord's favor. And I know if you're like me, you will, you will feel like Saul that you just want to, you know, hide behind the equipment and think, not me. I'm not the one. I can't do this. There's too many, too many problems to overcome. Too many issues in my own life. I can't possibly um, lead people out of captivity. I can't possibly bring the kingdom of God. But God wants to anoint each of us with his Holy Spirit. So we just ask this year that whatever New Year's resolution that you would make, we can make a lot of New Year's resolutions that, you know, obviously they don't, they don't tend to last too long, a lot of them. And a lot of times we're doing them in our own strength. But think about this. Have you known the anointing power of God in your life? Maybe you experienced it a few years ago and you know you were full of you were full of joy, you were full of prophecy, just so to speak. You were speaking the word of God, you were preaching the word to people, you were you were witnessing, you were full of faith. But maybe you feel now that you're you know you're kind of doing things on your own strength. I really believe God wants us to seek him until we get that anointing power from on high. God wants to anoint us with the Holy Spirit. It is the only way I truly believe that we can be effective for God in this world. Yes, with so many challenges, especially this year, there are so many challenges but I believe that God wants to pour out his spirit. As the prophet Joel said, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on sons and daughters. They will prophesy, they will dream dreams and have visions. And I believe God wants to pour his spirit out upon us. You know, in Psalm 44, when it, when it talks about the king um, being anointed, 
Prior to that, it says, you loved righteousness and hate wickedness. You know, I believe we really need to take God at his word and, and to be serious with God. If God wants, if God does want to, to use us, but if we want to be used of God, we need to, like Jacob, to wrestle with him until we get that blessing from God, until we get that anointing from God, the power of God's Holy Spirit. I know I don't experience it one-tenth as much as I should, but this year my, my desire is that I will not do things in my own strength, but I will do them in the strength and the power of God's Holy Spirit, the anointing power of God's Holy Spirit. Father, I pray for each of us this year, Lord. Um, Lord, I pray uh, that you will pour out your spirit on your church, Lord. You will pour out your spirit on us, Lord. That we will dream dreams, Lord. We will see visions, Lord. We will prophesy in your name, Lord. We will preach the gospel boldly, Lord. We will see people healed, Lord, this year, Lord. Lord, I pray you will give us um, faith, Lord, not in ourselves, but in you, Lord. In you, Lord, the commander, our commander in chief, that you will give us faith, that you want to pour out your spirit upon us, Lord, and that this is the year of the Lord's favor, Lord. Oh, Father, I pray. Give us a desire. Give us a hunger for you, a hunger for your Holy Spirit, Lord, that we might set the captives free. In Jesus' name, amen.